Beth, I'm, I'm really sorry, but this episode might contain some spoilers. 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 I'm going to have to leave. Sorry. Yeah. If you've not watched this episode, then uh, sorry, you're going to get it spoiled. Where did I put my tea? Oh, Miss Mama the Tea! It's Diva! Hello. Oh. Hello. It's tea. <laughs> Hello. No, don't like that. <laughs> no. Hello. No. Not for me. Hello. 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 <clears throat> Hello. Welcome to the Who Watch Podcast. I don't like that. Hello. Welcome to the Who Watch Podcast. Why am I... Where's my energy? Hello. Welcome to the Who Watch Podcast. No, I know, but it's just not coming out that way. In my head, it's coming out that way. to the Who Watch podcast, where we're watching every episode of Doctor Who from 1963 to present day. She's Beth, I'm David, we're two huge Doctor Who fans, and we're continuing our Who Watch journey this week with the Keys of Marinus, the fifth ever Doctor Who story. Before we begin, please do remember to follow us on socials. You can find us at Who Watch Podcast, and you can email us with your thoughts at the Who Watch Podcast at gmail.com. We'd really love to know what you think. Have you seen The Keys of Marius before? Are you watching it for the first time? Certainly was my first time watching this. Tell us all... Yeah, it was my second time watching this. All right, show off. I'm still not sure I understood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still not entirely sure that I got it. We'll get into it. I've watched it twice. <laughs> and we should warn you that this is going to take a lot of explanation, so please bear with us as we get through it. In this six-part adventure, the Doctor, Barbara, Ian and Susan find themselves on the planet Marinus, where the beach seems to be made from glass and the sea of acid. The team discover some eerie, empty submarines and a creepy creature stalks Susan. She follows it towards a mysterious tower, where she finds another of the humanoids, who then gets stabbed by another person of mystery. Yeah, it's all very ominous. Once the others catch up with Susan, Ian has a fight in the Tower of Hidden Panels, and a man called Arbiton appears and explains that the creatures are called the Vord. He also reveals that he is the keeper of the Conscious of Marinus, a big-ass computer that was designed to keep law and order on the planet, eliminating negativity, violence and evil all round. I think we need a bit of that here on Earth. Here on our Earth. Here on our Earth. <laughs> a silly Vord eventually figured out how to resist and corrupt the conscience, and everything went to shit. Arbiton says he split the five keys that regulate the computer and popped them in different locations all over Marinus. And that he wants the Doctor and his companions to go and locate them all so that he can activate the conscience and restore peace. He'd already sent his family but they just just haven't they haven't come back haven't come back that's a warning <laughs> sign isn't it <laughs> team tardis say no obviously because that sounds like a nightmare but arbiton is having none of it and pops a cheeky forest field around the tardis so that they cannot leave he gives them some funky armware travel dials that mean they can transport around the planet and sends them on their way as soon as they do arbitan is murdered by a vord and barbara ends up lost once they've all transported to their next destination and she's left behind her travel dial. And it's covered in blood. But it's all good because they find her lounging around in a pretty dress, being fed delicious food and generally being a queen. Apparently, she just panicked, tore off the dial and cut herself. They're now in the city of Morphaton, where they meet Altos and Sabatha, and everything is perfect. Everyone can have whatever they want and everything is beautiful. Ooh, but all is not what it seems. Sabatha places tiny discs onto the heads of our sleeping friends, but Barbara's a bit of a wiggle bum and hers falls off. Can I just say, I've never heard of the phrase wiggle bum? Yeah, I maybe I just know it because I 
myself. I'm a wiggle bum. You're a wiggle bum. <laughs> Turns out they're being hypnotised by the Mesmeron, and now Barbara has accidentally broken free. We then meet some snaily stork-eyed creatures that live in jars, who seem to be at the helm of the hypnotisation, using it to control Morphaton. Babs can now see the city for what it truly is. Bit of a dirty mess. Me. Tries to warn her friends. <laughs> she tries to warn her friends, but they just don't believe her. She gets chucked down a dungeon where Sabatha is also lurking, finding out that Sabatha is Arbiton's missing daughter and is wearing one of the Mariner keys. Barbara tries to break her free of the hypnosis, but she fails. Altos comes to take Sabatha away, but she knocks him out. Fair play. And Barbara leaves to find her friends, promising to come back for Sabatha later. Once she locates Ian, he tries to strangle her, but our Babs is strong, fights him off, and destroys the brains of Morphaton. That sounds hauntingly familiar. Once dead, the city's citizens are broken free from their hypnosis and they start to destroy the city. Altos remembers that Arbiton had sent him on the Marinus mission, so he joins Sabatha, the Doctor and friends on their quest. They split up, the Doctor going ahead to the city of Millennius, while the others travel on to find the second key. And they arrive in the screaming jungle. Wouldn't want to be in their shoes. Mm. Susan has a bit of a rough time with all sorts of freaky foliage attacking her. Listen, I love screaming. I also love jungle music. But screaming jungle, not my kind of vibe. Not my cup of tea. Barbara goes to explore and finds a statue with another of the keys. But she gets trapped. And then Ian goes after her and gets trapped too. And it turns out the keys are fake. They find themselves in a booby trap room where Ian ends up stuck in a cage and Barbara under a net trap with a fast-approaching knived roof. You said booby. An old scientist within the building saves Barbara from her trap, but doesn't really believe that Arbiton sent her. Once Ian escapes and joins them, the old man ends up killed by the jungle and leaves Babs and Ian a code. They think it might be for a safe, but soon discover that the code is really made up of chemical symbols. They find a jar with a chemical label and they finally retrieve another key. This leads them to their next time dial location, a freezing and snowy landscape. They pass out, because cold. And they wake up to find themselves in a strange hut being looked after by a very strange man called Vassal. Altos had forced him to save them, apparently. But he's actually a baddie. He left Sabatha and Susan to die, stole their Marinus keys, tied Altos up and left him for dead and then sent Ian out into the cold with the wolves with a bag of raw meat. He's such a weird man. Such a creepy man. <laughs> Not Ian. Vassal. <laughs> Ian confronts Vassal and forces him to leave Barbara alone and take them all to the caves where he'd left Sabatha and Susan. Meanwhile, the gals are running all over the shop from terrifying ice statues. Vassar tries to sabotage them, but Ian and Altos save the day and find the next key in a block of ice. They return to Vassar's hut to grab their dials and be on their way. But not before Vassar takes another shot, grabs Susan, trying to force her friends to fight their ice soldiers, who then take Vassar out. The team then go on to their next location. Phew! Are you keeping up? Ian discovers another key in a display case, a dead body lurking on the floor. He then gets knocked out and framed for the murder while his attacker makes off with the key. Everyone's favourite hot science teacher is now accused of the murder of Ypres a friend of Altos, and in this city on Marinus, it's the opposite of the UK's justice system. You're guilty until proven innocent. The Doctor does his best Viola Davis impression, except he doesn't ask why Ian's penis is on the dead girl's phone. Instead, he manages to propose... Sorry, I didn't know that was coming! Ugh... <laughs> <laughs> uh... Instead, he manages to postpone the trial while he gathers evidence. The Doctor deduces that one of the guards, Aiden, attacked Ian and stole the key, and manages to trick him into admitting this in court. But Aiden is shot and killed in the court before he can implicate anyone else. When Barbara leaves the court, she gets a phone call from a mysterious young voice. It's Susan. She's been kidnapped. Oh no. <laughs> and she says she'll be killed if they don't stop investigating the murder. Altos, Barbara and Sabatha visit Aiden's grieving wife, Carla, to see if they can get any information. Carla says she knows nothing and begins sobbing. But as the trio leaves... 
<laughs> She's got Susan tied up next door. She slipped up because she mentioned the phone call that Susan made, even though the trio hadn't actually mentioned it. They bust her out, uncover Carla's plot, but she swears she was working with Ian the whole time. So it's up to the Scooby gang to prove that she had a different accomplice before Ian is sent to death. Susan remembers hearing Carla on the phone saying a man would pick up the missing key later that night. The doctor and the officials of Melanius find the key in the murder weapon being snuck out by Ison, the court's prosecutor. The gang returned to Arbiton, where Altos and Sabatha had travelled ahead, with all the keys bar one, but they don't know that the city has been overrun by the Vord, and they get held prisoner, threatened with death if they don't reveal the last key. The TARDIS team go to find Altos and Sabatha. Ian and Susan find a hooded figure claiming to be Arbiton. Remember him? It's actually a Vord in disguise, and he tries to persuade them to give him the final key. But Ian sees through this and gives him the false key from the Screaming Jungle. The combination of these five keys destroys the supercomputer and the Vords inside, while the gang all run back out from the tower. The conscious is destroyed, and the people of Marinus must now come to their own conclusions, which the Doctor thinks is a good thing. Man was not made to be ruled by machines. The travellers say goodbye to Altos and Sabatha and head off to new travels. Cool, blimey! Oh, <laughs> oh, excuse me, dearie me. So I think the thing about this story is that oh. we have chosen to explain each story at the beginning of every episode to make this as accessible as possible. But because they go to a different place on Marinus for every part of this six-part story, it means that it's really complicated to explain. There's no part of this story that isn't important, which mm. I, I like because there have been previous episodes where we've complained of like, oh, we could cut this episode, we yeah. could cut bits of this out. And um, what I like about this is that there's no filler yeah. right there really is like a lot going on which actually kind of is like the opposite of the daleks and yeah. stuff where it's like there's actually almost too much to keep up with because they go to a different place each episode and so it happens in each one yeah my favorite bit is that just like barbara just goes through it for the first few episodes oh, every yeah. couple of minutes something bad is happening to barbara and it's like okay, 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 oh again making women suffer hour here <laughs> um well, yeah you're right it just it's a lot there's a lot that goes on it's relentless However, it's it's digestible because it's only 25 minutes, right? Per story. Per, per episode, Per episode, yeah. it's only 25 minutes. Overall, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Yeah, I I feel the same because I think... I I think we have to add a little bit of context that, for me, I watched this story on, like, Doctor Who's biggest week of the year. This week, yeah. We're recording this the day of the Starbeast coming out. It's just been Doctor Who's 60th anniversary. There has been a lot going on this week. Yeah. I was out every day doing something Doctor Who related. So You're watching nerd. this as well, I know... Um, watching this as well, I think that it was a it was a weird one to watch this week because I I really need I think I really needed to put more concentration into it and I had so much going on. That, yeah. But it, it, you know, if I had nothing else going on and I could just sit and enjoy it, I think it would have been better for me. It's a lot. It's a lot. I think also this story I think deserves your full unadulterated attention mm-hmm. because I've done less Doctor Who things than you this week. Fake nerd. Fake nerd. <laughs> Um, I've been very excited for the Star Beast. However, when watching this, I was like, oh, this is really great. Mm. However, I'm watching this with also the context of, like, there's another Doctor Who episode coming that I'm really excited to watch. Yeah. Um, so am I excited because I'm excited for that and it feels like I'm ticking off something on the box? Mm. I don't know. But stripping away, like, context, I think this is a really fun story to get into. Again, because there's, like, something happening in every single episode. It's not a yeah. case of, like oh, well, this is your filler. This is like them wandering in a jungle for 45 minutes and, like, nothing actually happening. I think that conceptually, 
this story, because I, I keep trying to put it in the frame of mind as well of this being the first ever season of Doctor Who yeah. 60 years ago. Conceptually, there's some really insane and cool concepts mm. and ideas. And the fact that they go to a different city on this one planet every episode is so interesting to me yeah. because it means that they go to like to a snowy landscape, to a jungle. They're in the the big Arbiton's Tower for a bit. Do you know what I mean? They keep yeah. going to all these different locations, which does actually keep it interesting mm. because they're not just in one room for six episodes. And it means that they face different stuff every episode. Mm. Um, and I think the idea of them having the time hop dials, basically a, a, a classic Who Vortex manipulator, yeah. is so interesting. And it's 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 really fun for all of the conceptual stuff alone. Concepts that like get pulled upon mm. in future Who. For example... The thing that made, made me sit up about this was partly flux because it's like one continuous story and set in various locations. But also it's that classic Doctor Who thing now that we think of, but obviously mm-hmm. not at the time, of objects scattered across worlds, mm-hmm. find them to put them together. So we'll see mm-hmm. this when we come to like the fourth Doctor and the keys to time. Mm-hmm. Like there's all these different bits and pieces across the world that you've got to gather and you've got to mm-hmm. put them together to make this thing, um, which I quite like in this concept. Unlike you know, now that it's been pulled upon by DC Comics or whoever it is to kind of, like, make every single superhero film, there's a thing that's here, and we've got to go to this location and then have an emotional development at this point, and then do this at this <laughs> location, and, oh, no, you put them together and it's, an, it's a world-ending machine. Um, whereas this is like, oh, this is, a com- this is like a police computer they've got to put together. Yeah, and I think the idea of the computer being the thing that controls the world and brings peace is so interesting because it's the thing of like deciding whether it's a good thing because these people are still being controlled. They don't have free will, you know, when the machine does work, but it's for the greater good of having peace. It's such an interesting concept. It plays on a base kind of 60s fear, I think, of like what technology of the future was going to look like. Mm. But you could so easily do this now. Yeah. Because it plays into exactly the fears that we have right now about technology and the direction and the, of travel. And the, the media. And the media mm. and artificial intelligence and where that all goes and who is in control of those things and are they using those things for good or are they using those things for generic bad? Mm. It, it didn't focus too much on that. No, I, I, I was going to say that I wish they focused more on that actual idea because I guess they do also have a little bit so in the second episode when they go to Morphaton there's another really interesting concept about sort of being controlled where the population is being hypnotized into believing that everything's perfect when it's actually not you know what that actually made me think of um you do you remember that episode of Black Mirror where it is the guy who plays Falcon slash Captain America yeah who like is with his like is with his like buddy bro on the gaming VR headset, essentially. And then actually they're having, like, sex in the game mm-hmm. because it's, like, the only way that they're ever going to be able to deal with their sexuality and they're in this, like, beautiful, yeah, pure world. I haven't seen that, but it is, yeah, it's, it's a very Black Mirror concept, yeah. actually, thinking about this, isn't it? Because it's it's similar to that episode, um, the USS, whatever, Calisthenics yes, episode, USS, yes, where, they, yeah, yeah. where he, like, goes into the into the game and prefers living a different life. Yes. Like, it's exactly the same concept. And it's so, so interesting that I, I could have watched more episodes set in that. We're just oh, I think that's 100%. the thing that's a bit overwhelming, right? Because that in itself is one 25-minute bit of the story. That's only one of the concepts. There are so yeah. many ideas and so many concepts that it's almost like I wish they would have focused on, like, a few less. And as a result of that, I think that one of the things that really suffers in this is actually the void. 
Yeah. Because I'm like, what do you want? Why Why are you here? And they look so cool. Like, they, oh, they should have made great. way better use of them. Um, and I was reading earlier that apparently they wanted the Vord to be as popular as the Daleks. But they're, they're only in, like, the first and last episode. Termination wrote the story. Yeah. So, you know... Great concept. Yes. I think they look visually stunning and really cool. And again, it's that 60s thing of doing something that looks really alien. Um, a bit different from the Daleks because they're a bit more humanoid. But yeah. I think they're still quite terrifying. They look like... You know the cube? Yeah. You know the woman that stands in the cube that Harry Hill used to make a joke that it was Christine Bleakley? Yeah. They look kind of like... They yeah. kind of have those vibes. <laughs> yeah. I But I, I do think that... I'm pretty sure they are literally only in the first and last episode. So I... I sort of think, I don't know why they thought it would be as popular as the Daleks when they're not even in every episode of the story. I wish they'd focus more on them. You could do, yeah, like you said, you could do like an entire story set in Morpeton. Morpeton? Morpeton. Morpeton. Morpeton's a real place, isn't it? I have no idea. Morpeth. Morpeth? I don't know. So it's real places. (laughs) Don't ask me about geography because that that is my, probably my worst subject. No, there is a place called Morpeth. Where is it? Let's Google. Pause, please. Mummy's Googling. Okay. Morpeth. Morpeth. That's right. Where is Morpeth? Where's Morpeth? Near Newcastle. And also, it's like, there is a, no, but there is a place. The so Morpeth what, are Arms. You, are you saying that Newcastle is controlled by tiny stalk-eyed snails in tanks? Yes. <laughs> that is exactly what I'm saying. That wouldn't surprise me. There's a bar <laughs> called the Morpeth Arms near How do you know Millbank. That? Because it, cause it won't go past there for work sometimes. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's my new place. Because, well... For people who don't know, I'm from the Scottish Borders. Mm. And I remember seeing signs for Morpeth because it's near Newcastle. Oh, so you could drive. Okay. So you, uh, okay, now I know. That's why you know. Oh, you. can we bear to me now? <laughs> I think that there could have been more of a focus on the original Vord that stopped the conscience yes. from working. And I guess what the sort of, the, the Vord's... The Vord? I'm confused whether it's the just the Vord or the Vords. I'm going to say the Vord. Um, what, what they're... What they're what, well, so on Tardis Wiki, it has like both. So it's, um, well. But I think it sounds better as just the Vord as plural. Do you know what hmm. I mean? Okay. Um, I Yeah, I would have liked to have seen more of an actual focus on them. Surely some of them want what the machine. Do? to like, yeah, what's, what's, like you would what's... think, right, surely some of them would want the machine to work and some of them wouldn't or are they all kind of against the yeah. machine? Like, like, what's the vibe? I want to know the Vord's vibe. What's the Ford vibe? <laughs> That's the title of this Ford episode. Vibe. <laughs> there's, there's something quite um, Bushian, as in Kate Bush, about like <laughs> a tower on a beach of glass surrounded by a sea of acid. Yeah. It's a cool. Kind of like you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic, yeah. Kate Bush. Um, <laughs> but like you, you can kind of imagine that, and she's like, sta- you can imagine her like standing in the acid, um, just like melting away, it's like she waves a fish above her head. That kind of yeah, that kind of vibe. You've just reminded me that I did actually think that the the visuals were really cool, and I love that they start and end it with a tiny TARDIS. That's, oh, that's like that a sent me away. It's like a character option, not even a character option TARDIS. It looks like a TARDIS that like um you would have been shown how to make in Doctor Who Adventures out of like a cereal box. It's giving Blue Peter. Yeah, it's it's, it's giving, it's giving like Blue Peter Doctor Who Adventures vibes, and I, was, I love it. Because I was like, where is what this island looks really interesting? This built, and then they zoom in, and yeah. I'm just like this <laughs> tiny little blue thing on a beach. I'm like, okay. It's, uh, how do you know it's blue? It's black and white. Sorry, it's black and white. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, it is really cute. Should we talk about the TARDIS team and the Doctor for a little bit? So it's interesting because the majority of this is held up by Ian and Barbara. Yeah. 
I mean, I would say all of it is. Like, Susan doesn't have very much to do with actually Caroline Ford wrote about how she, like, she mm. didn't like the way that she was written in this episode. She definitely isn't given... Like, she isn't served well. She, and it's no. definitely, like, her and Barbara definitely get the brunt of... Like, Ian gets a bit, but her and Barbara definitely get the brunt of... I was going to say, Ian is story. on trial for murder yeah, and no, is, no, like, but I mean, to death. I mean, like, with at least he... Yes. I think with Susan and Barbara... They just have like three things in episode where yes. they're like injured or attacked Stre- injured or screaming. Or, yeah. And Susan, Susan's definitely comes across as just like, which she does quite a lot of the time, as we've discussed before, like she comes across quite helpless and yeah. it frustrates me because she's meant to be a time traveller. But yeah. I do think it's worse in this story. And the Doctor just disappears for two episodes. So Again, he's gone again. And I'm really, listener, dear listener, I'm really sick of it because I love the first Doctor. But when he does reappear again in, in I think, episode five, yeah. you can tell William Hartnell had, like, had a lie down and a bit of a holiday because he comes in. He's like, hello. He looks like he's had, like, several drugs. And he comes in bopping about the place. He's so energetic. He's so excited. A Zempic. <laughs> I love it for him. He has got so much good vibes and good energy when he comes back. Buckle fat removal. <laughs> Jaw chiselled. <laughs> Eye lift. He's had a BBL. BBL. Brow lift. <laughs> He's coming in glowing and just being he like, right, my dear, good morning. Giving. Um, <laughs> He's giving pure Viola Davis in that courtroom scene. It's it, like, it genuinely so is like, I, I would want, I actually want Viola Davis to watch the courtroom scene of this. I want Viola Davis and Maxine Peake to sit down and be like, compare notes about <laughs> Silk and how to get away with murder, first of all. But then like, watch this courtroom scene and see how, like, one deals with it. It's, like, so... Like, to me, I don't know if it, it probably is just me, but it's so, like, Annalise Keating. Yeah, he's so, so good. I think this, these last two episodes are some of William Hartnell's best, just because of the energy that he brings to it. He's clearly so into the kind of, like, courtroom stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I His really, His little really holiday did him very well. Oh, it did him very, very well. Also, I love the fact that, like, because of the way that actors' contracts were written in, like the 60s and 70s because you literally could only work for the BBC mm. uh, or like Hollywood mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like it's written into his contract that he's like got like 28 days holiday a year like he's like yeah. a, like an office worker so he just literally I find that so funny yeah that is fascinating obviously we have Doctor Light episodes now but they're few, they're few and far between but they between. are very few and far between and so to have him disappear for like I think it was one or two for Marco Polo and again now yeah. for one or two um, no, Marco Polo I think he was ill no, no, I know, but I'm just, oh, right. I'm just saying oh, right, he, so, yeah. he had disappeared. So, like, when you're watching them in order, you're like, the Doctor's not always around. Where is he? What's you know, he doing? He's obviously, getting, it served him really well because he, he came back with better energy. Yeah. But um, I was sad not to see him. And he's getting his BBL. I like how, also, this is such a juxtaposition to Marco Polo. Yeah. Like it, it, like, it is and it isn't. Because I feel like it's very similar in the way that they're they're on sort of, like, a, a travel epic and they're yeah. travelling around a place. But... They go from like long, long, long ago on Earth to, to this really yeah alien um, planet. Well, it's a really, really alien planet, really, really alien situation with really high high tech like concepts yes. and stuff. And it's just so it's so different. And that's the thing that I just loved about Doctor Who so often, where you can go to such a difference, like mm. to that in that way. Um, and I think it's like so alien straight away mm-hmm. when you go from Marco Polo to this. Not to get. Whitehouseian. I generally want a tattoo of Mary Whitehouse. Have I ever told you that? <laughs> no. Have I ever told you that? I would like to get actually a tattoo of Mary Whitehouse. I would advise against it. Why? You do you, babes. I like, I'm, I'm not going to stop you. It's like a, in a kind of like, but in the same way that uh, lots of members of the LGBT plus community were like 
not lots, but some people in the LGBT community wear like Reagan shirts. I kind of would like a Mary, Mary White House tattoo mm-hmm. because she just stood against everything that I stand for. In a, so what you mean is you want it in an ironic way. In a, in a very <laughs> ironic way of like, oh. As long as pro- you're happy to explain it to everyone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or I could just get MW and people be like, what's that mean? And like, <laughs> it's mid- the Midwest <laughs> and it's very White House. Anyway, enough about Mary White House, but not to be ma- not to be White Houseian, but like the violence in this serial at points. It's so violent. I was like, ooh. Um, yeah, it is. Children are watching. There are some fun bits where I'm like, yes, Sabatha, you hit him around the head. Like, yeah. go, you knock him out. Go, girl. Like, woman power. But yeah, it is really violent. And there's always something, like, that's what I mean when I say that, like, Barbara and Susan go through it. It's yeah. not just, like, oh, one time Susan gets grabbed by the Screaming Jungle. It's, like, continuous stuff every every few minutes. Yeah. It's quite traumatic. And then at the end, when Barbara's leaving, she looks quite smiley to, and happy to be leaving. But I'm like, you're going to need <laughs> a... a you need a long lay da- lie down yeah. in the TARDIS because... All those horrible beds. Uh, uh, ugh. Yeah. I think episode two genuinely has like bits of it where I'm like, this is horrific and bizarre and again, really Black Mirror-like. But the bit where Ian reaches out to strangle her and then she like fends him off and then smashes up the brains in jars. It's It's like, whoa, this is... It's interesting, (gasps) isn't it? Because Barbara and Sabatha get to do stuff like that. And then Susan, again, is like being given a guardian at some point. And there's, there's there's a really good scene where Barbara says... I do wish Ian wouldn't treat us like fine china or something like that. Mm. And then Susan's like, I like that he looks after us, which is like cute. Same. Love love that. I love it that Ian does that. But um, yeah, I do agree that with Caroline Ford that it feels like she was written in in a really childish kind of, um, yes, she's a 16 year old, but she was, I think she was served better in some of the earlier stories. And the violence, yeah, the violence is crazy. The smashing up of the, the little snaily guys. I love them. I think they look so cute. And I'm sad they didn't last longer in the story. Um, I have to do something for Gallifrey Cavalry with that. That's a good idea. The snaily guys. The snaily guys. Put yourself in a jar. (laughs) Hello. One thing I noticed, and I noticed it especially um, after watching clips of the colorization of the dialects. By the way, if you didn't know, we talked about it briefly a few weeks ago, but the Daleks have now been put into colour um, and it aired on the 23rd of November along with a recut of an adventure in space and time. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But the thing that was pointed out was how there was new score added to the Daleks. Mm. And watching those clips, I was like, oh, not sure if I like the amount of score that's going on here. But I think And then it watching would be... this back... Yeah. I was like, this this is too quiet. <laughs> so that's the thing, right? We're watching Classic Who from the beginning and there isn't a lot of music in the background mm. for a lot of scenes. So when when we've gone from that to watching the dialects in colour, it's quite jarring because we're just not used to it. But often these stories are, do need something in the background that they yep. don't have. And I think that's what makes it a little bit harder to watch. So it's, 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 really, um, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because mm. sometimes if I get distracted by something you know, my phone might buzz or something and then I look down for a bit and I'm, like, I'm missing whole things on the TV because there's no noise but there are things going on. Yeah. Um, it just needs some texture. It just needs a bit of texture just to kind of like pull you in a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. It needs like a, li- a, li- a little bit of music. A little bit a of incidental music. music. More paintings of corridors. I love more... when they do like, <laughs> they have the two like perspective paintings of corridors because they obviously can't 
afford to film it wherever like massive they can't build a real one yeah and also just the reusing of of sets so so, especially when they're like trying to find the entrance to the tower at the first in the first episode it's like you flip this shot and reverse it switch that reverse (laughs) it no (laughs) no (laughs) no i don't even know if that's the real oh um... (laughs) i never want to see the wonka film Switch that, reverse it. Uh, we're not bringing up Wonka again. We're not bringing back Wonka. I, if, I actually have planned to go and see Wonka. Fucking hell. <laughs> if I... I mean, I actually do want to see it, and I haven't planned to see it yet, so... I'm going, well... You're, you're going to go and f- hate on it. Yeah, well, I'm going with... My, so, me and my friend Lewis have this thing. Hi, Lewis, if you're listening. My friend Lewis and I have this thing where... Um, <laughs> we will go and see films that we think are going to be really, really bad. And the last... Two of those films have been the Kenneth Branagh adaptations of Agatha Christie's Poirot. <laughs> and you would be right. And because they are awful. But the, 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 there's nothing worse than those films. Oh, we also no, we also went to see um uh what was it called? What was it called? What was that what was that shitty, awful film with Florence Pugh and Harry Styles? I really liked Up Murray Darling. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, sorry. Um however, we went in and watched it. And uh, we, we, we do this traditional thing where we take in uh, two bottles of Bucks Fizz to have with us nice. while we're there. And um, there was a couple a couple of t- seats down from us. And at the end, because we'd been laughing so much at that film, because <laughs> there was so much that I was like, this is really it's not The thing is, laughing in that film would piss off the audience because it's not a funny film. It's not funny, <laughs> but it's, it's like Florence Pugh is like so wasted in it because she's great. But like... it's I think it's a good film. There's so many elements where I was like, this is so stupid. And also, Harry Styles is not a great actor and it's like the concept is great the concept is incredible but also just is not executed properly and it's kind of like like we, we get it i guess this is the the we're a film podcast now this is a film podcast i don't worry darling but we came out and the, the this couple at the end of the row looked at us and they said we're so glad that you laughed through that because it felt that we could <laughs> laugh too okay that's fair enough i was like thank I thought, god i thought you were going to be like they complained about us. And no, the... they were like, oh, we're so grateful you were laughing because we wanted to laugh and we didn't know whether it was appropriate to laugh. And I was like, yeah, you can laugh. Harry Styles is trying to be taken seriously as an actor. It's really fucking funny. The only reason that he's in this Yikes. film is because he was dating Olivia Wilde at the time. Like, Yikes. Yeah, like, like, it's true. I can't it's remember. True. I don't remember hating it that much. Um, what I was going to say before you went on that tangent Sorry. was <laughs> if I could have any classic, any Doctor Who prop in my house... Um, I would have the fake corridor paintings from 60s Doctor Who. <laughs> I want someone to come in my house and be like, is that a real corridor? <laughs> and then just like smack the head into a wall. <laughs> you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have Alfred Enoch? Sorry, no. You wouldn't have I William would, Russell? I would have, young I, would, William I would have both. <laughs> I would have young William Russell and Alfie Enoch. Um, <laughs> what? That's, they're not props. It's not a prop. They can be props if you want them to be. <laughs> turn why do, why do we always go down this path naughty, naughty, naughty. i think my overall thoughts on the keys of marinus is that i really love a lot of the concepts i've written why is this part in latex when talking about the voice <laughs> i think yeah i think i love <laughs> sorry, sorry i was gonna say that like one thing that i noticed in the first episode is when the doors rotate you can see so clearly see a member of production standing, <laughs> standing there the other the side. and also the doctor not yelling when the door swallows him is possibly one of the funniest <laughs> things like he's walking no, down no. the corridor so this is the thing i noticed 
that when Susan and Barbara go through the trap door, they scream. They scream. But and when, then the men when, go when the men through. go through, they don't scream because men don't get scared of men falling don't get through trap doors. Of falling through trap doors and spinning round. It's not bizarre because obviously it's like sixties and sexist. Yeah. But also, I just find it really funny that they have no reaction whatsoever yeah. to being swallowed by a They're trap door. No reaction at all because men don't have feelings, feelings or reactions to anything. It's very big, like you know, the spinning. We'll get to it, but the spinning triangle and the five doctors. <laughs> people to take them to the death zone <laughs> coming for the fourth doctor no reaction because it's stock footage let ian scream again let ian scream justice for ian let screaming ian scream again let, let ian scream again. again has he ever screamed i don't think I don't he has know, but let him scream i'll make him scream <laughs> no you're gonna say that <laughs> um coming back to him with a knife should we why would it be sexual david <laughs> why would it be sexual while talking about e- whilst talking about ian chesterton <laughs> That's mm. such a good transition. <laughs> transition sound. Um, should we move on to our stars? I think we've discussed most of what we want to discuss. So should we talk? Yeah. Should we should we say how many stars we're going to give this? You go first. Should we do it at the same time? Oh, okay. Okay. Three, two, one, four. Three. Oh, okay. I was going to also go three, but I was like, oh. It's hard, but I think it would have been higher if... It- I don't know how to explain, but I feel like I just didn't... Like, even though I historically do really love The Keys of Marinus because I've seen it before... Yeah. I didn't enjoy it as much as the last, like, three stories. Um, and I thought there was so much packed into it that it was almost... It's like, it's it's between a three and a four for me, but not quite a four. And, and that could just be because I, I struggled with everything this week because I was so busy. And yeah. maybe, maybe I didn't quite enjoy it enough, but... Um, I think I enjoyed it more than Marco Polo because I felt like every plot point everything that was said had a purpose yeah that's very true do i think it's like the best ever doctor who story no there's like bits of it that i was like but why is that there Mm, not sure how i feel about the boards not sure how i feel about susan and barbara just being made to like suffer or scream or yell yeah so this is what i mean it's like i know we gave marco polo a three as well i feel like i'm giving them both a three for different reasons yeah yeah. And I don't mean this as a sweeping statement, but I do think this is slight, maybe like 5% more sexism in this story than there has been yeah. recently. And um, there are some great moments that like some of the women have in this story as well. Um, I'm not saying that it's all completely sexist, but there is just a few like bits and bobs that... Yeah. I, I didn't. I just didn't enjoy it as much as I have been enjoying the rest of our watch, even though there are so many great elements of it. Mm. I'm happy to go down to a three then. Okay, let's let's stick with a three. Let's stick to a three. A solid three. A solid three stars. Solid um. five. Okay, let's go with our fun fact of the week. We bring a little fact every episode to your nerves, to your table, to your bamba clots. We should have done an intro for this, like, Doctor Who fact of the week. We could do that, but also I worry that we would get sued if we do that. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. We make the party super naughty. (laughs) Um, We bring a fun fact every single week to your table, to your nerves. And uh, Beth, you go with your fun fact first. Yeah, we can go with my fun fact. Um, I've lost it. <laughs> Where's it gone? Great, really good. Well done. Where's me fun facts? Where's me fun Where's facts? Where's me fun facts? Got fun me fun facts. This the the fact that I chose is something that I've just read upon good old good old wiki. Yeah. Um. So apparently, in the original script for this story, 
it was said that the reason that the Doctor and Susan had been on Earth originally in 1963 at the beginning of An Unearthly Child was actually because the Doctor had visited the BBC to get help repairing the colour scanner in the TARDIS, which was showing only black and white images, you know, because Doctor is in black and white. And it says he'd been in such a bad mood upon his return to the TARDIS because the BBC had been infernally secretive. But I just thought it was really interesting that they cut that out. It sort of feels like a little bit of a... Like a breaking the fourth wall explanation yeah, as to why so Doctor Who was in black and white, um, and I have heard that before, but I just didn't realise it was like anything to do with well, the like, story. Had, hadn't colour television like not launched in the UK at this point? Let's Google it. As, was it not like nineteen sixty four? Sixty seven. I'm I'm really glad I didn't keep that in because I would have actually hated that. Yeah. Not gonna lie. I just thought it was really interesting. I just I don't like when Doctor Who breaks the fourth wall and I know oh. that I'm gonna regret seeing You're gonna that. You <laughs> that was my little fact. I just thought it was really interesting. Mm. What's your fact, David? My fun fact is that the uh tank top that uh, Susan wears throughout this story was knitted by Caroline Ford's mum. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> she kind of oh, runs I love around. That, I love that it. is so cute. I want Karen Ann Ford's mum to make me a, a tank top. Don't know if she can. <laughs> Let's resurrect let me, her. Let me get... <laughs> get, her, get her to make an Etsy <laughs> shop for the Doctor Who fans. We're going to go to the Charm Sisters and ask them, <laughs> Hi, would you mind resurrecting Karen Ann Ford's mum? <laughs> That's all right, just so she can knit us something. Should we move on to our, our song of the story for this yes. week? Yes. What's your song of the story for this week, David? Okay. <laughs> my song this week is the key the secret by the open cookie collective do i know that song you do know that song because it is the one that goes i got the key i got the secret okay yeah okay what was your suggestion mine is not as good but um so there's a scene in episode i think five or six no 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 it's definitely episode six where This is a slight reach, but it. it. <laughs> There's a scene where Carla, after she's done her little, I don't know anything act. Yeah. So another man calls her a vicious, dangerous woman. So I picked dangerous, dangerous woman, woman by, by Ariana, Ariana Grande. Grande. <laughs> um, because immediately I was like, dangerous woman. <laughs> so, something about something about something about you. <laughs> Um, yeah, because women are dangerous. They were, women in this story are either dangerous or... <laughs> I love that song. Um, so I picked Dangerous Women because in this story women are either dangerous or um, pathetic. <laughs> no, and that's the, as a man, that's the only thing they should be. No, I, that, is a, that is a stretch. That's not entirely true. <laughs> Something about you. Great. Don't keep that bit in, please. Who's <laughs> we going for? Oh, I like yours better. Thank you. I know. <laughs> but I love Dangerous Woman. At some point, we'll have to put it into the playlist. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like it's irrelevant. It's just that yours is better. Okay, David? You can have it for a second <sighs> week. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Owen. <laughs> have you got a quote? I have we, got a quote. We choose a quote every episode that we like. Yeah. I don't... I've just read mine back and it's not as funny as I thought it okay, was. Okay, you read yours. Mine is... If they continue to come, they're bound to succeed. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> when when it was said on on the episode, I think it was episode one or two. It really made me laugh. Um, but I just read it back, and it wasn't as funny as when I when it happened. I mean, I giggled. Okay. But I am childish. Yeah. Mine is we must fatten you up, eh? <laughs> 
I like them both. <laughs> and that's the that's your man who's in the snow. Vassal. Vassal. Every time I hear his name, I think of Yaz in Nicola Tessa's Night of Terror, which goes, what do you mean he's got the orb of Thassal? <laughs> Nicola Tessa's got the orb of Thassal. <laughs> which is a bit of a meme in my household. Um, Halloween, trick or treat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yaz. Oh, Yaz. We'll get to you later. I like both quotes, to be honest. Well, it'll be a surprise on Twitter, which one. Yeah. When we post our poster, you you will see which quote we've yeah, picked. Yeah, exactly. But both of them are fun. Finally, before we go into our news and wrap things up, have you got a background character of the week? I do. Um, there's a hilarious scene in episode one where Ian like is fighting with someone and then they get pushed into like the acid and they go... Oh, ah! Yeah. <laughs> and it's literally like someone's thrown a toy, a toy man yeah. into the water, but the sound effect is... Quite honestly, one of the most hilarious things in the history of Doctor Who. Oh. I really wish that we could splice it. Maybe we can splice it into this episode, but it goes a hop. <laughs> it is so funny. This is not a speaking character, so it is a background character. I'm going to call him the Falling Acid Man. He's a Vord. The Falling Acid Vord. Are you sure he's a Vord? Yeah, it's a Vord. Are you sure? Yeah. Hold on. Don't you point your, just, don't no, no, you I just want to check because I, I thought it was. Don't you I thought point the Vord, your finger at me, no, no, I thought the Vord pushed the man in. The creature is thrown back against the wall. The hidden panel opens. And the print. Yeah, the creature plunges into a shaft of acid. Oh, I don't remember him having the Vord. Yeah. The the Vordy horns, the the bits. The Vordy horns. My background character of the week is uh, the stock footage wolf. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. And I love it when they put stock footage in Doctor Who. It's not as like jarring in like 60s Doctor Who as it would be now, but it is yes. still pretty funny. Because the camera quality is quite similar. Yeah. So you could imagine... And it's black and white. It's black so, and white. Yeah. So don't care. But yeah, when they're out in the snow, Ian and Altos are like, oh God, there's wolves coming. And they point and then they cuts to just a random piece of footage of a wolf <laughs> that's standing there. It is quite funny. You're like, that wolf is not on Marinus. Yeah, and also, what, it's so funny how everything on Marinus is really alien, but they just have like earth wolves. Yeah. Why do Just they have earth, earth wolves on Marinus? Well, so I was briefly looking at TARDIS Wiki and I saw reference to, I didn't do any other digging apart from alternative names for Marinus apparently also include Mondas. What? Marinus is also known in some accounts as Planet 14 and possibly Mondas. Mm, that is, so apparently that's from a comic. Well, you never oh, know. So were we saying that it could be human, human-ish planet because the Doctor does refer to them as humans. At the, like, there's a speech that he makes at the end where he says about something about humanity, and he's talking about the people on Marinus. And I was like, "What on earth?" But that would make sense if yeah. it was Mondas and it was a twin planet. Maybe that's why that idea happened. Mm. Mm, I love a head cannon slash, slash mark, comic mark, official. Mark, Interesting. I think there's probably a lot more Vord history in extended media than we actually know. Yes. Because do the Vord ever appear again? I'm just going to have a look. I should have looked at that before. I don't think they appear in the show again. It's a lot of like extended media. Yeah. Um, prose, comics. Is there any big finish? Don't know. Oh, The Doctor Falls. No, that's about Cybermen. Um, yeah. Uh, so on, there's let's a... come back up to one. The Void Baroness becomes a to a world So that's the comic. Frobisher, Perry and Jamie attempt to stop the Void. Jamie sacrificed himself to destroy the world shaper, which caused a blast accelerated time the Void then evolved an entirely cybernetic creature called the Cybermen. According to one of Marinus then became known as Mondas and the Vord were the ancestors of the Mondasian Cybermen. Oh, wait. So was this made official in The Doctor Falls? 
However, Cybermen did however, come from Marinus. The twelfth Doctor conversely asserted that the Cybermen of Mondas yeah. and the Cybermen of Marinus originated separately through parallel evolution. This this does ring a bell though about that about about Cybermen being connected to Marinus. Like I've heard this before. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, it happens oh everywhere. Okay, yeah. so the Doctor confirms in The Doctor Falls. I remember this now because I remember watching it at the time and being like, oh, Marinus, that's from Classic Who, that's from mm. the First Doctors. And this was around the time I was watching the First Doctors era. So he confirms that the Cybermen, some Cybermen, do come from Marinus. Yes. That's, that's so cool. Mm. I love I love when you like notice something from an episode that you've no, like watched for years yeah. and it suddenly links with like a classic episode that you've only just properly thought about. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Love that. Love that. That's Why really dealers? cool. Um, okay. Cool. Have we got any news? <laughs> well, the Starbeast is about to air. We're, for us, the Starbeast is about an hour and a half away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we will be wrapping up very we're shortly to run away. <laughs> um, the Daleks got colourised, as we spoke about earlier. Yeah. And Shooty's first appearance happened oh, the other day at the end of the BBC baby. 4 airing of An Adventure in Space and Time. And it was so beautiful. Uh, and I'm going to be watching it on the big screen tomorrow at Riverside Studios. And I'm, I'm so excited. glad that, unlike Matt Smith, he doesn't just grab onto the, yeah, the he, dials. He does. Hold them. The sexiest wink. Oh, oh, he's already wink. my doctor. Although, can I also <laughs> say, and my other favourite wink of the week is the is the colourised Susan wink from yeah. the Daleks. Yeah, because <laughs> someone's chopped that up. I think it was the Hula La Boys, horrible boys, um, who have like cut the scene mm-hmm. and put it on Twitter and were like, "This is really camp," mm-hmm. because they've recut the scene to make it a bit more like Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, so it's like. Susan describing what they're going to do and then yeah. it cuts between like her describing what they're going to do and them actually doing it like yeah. an Ocean's, Ocean's 8 type film. Yeah. And it's just a bit where she's like, no, 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 I'll stand between the two Daleks and then just looks at them and goes, ah, oh, wink, so while the score is happening I mean, in I, bright pink colours. I don't oh. remember this because I, I was like quite tipsy in a room full of people that I didn't really know in Cambridge after a Thanksgiving <laughs> meal and... <laughs> My lovely, lovely friend Max invited me for Thanksgiving and then we all watched the Daleks and because I, we were all in a, in a room of normal people, most of it was like spent explaining Doctor Who stuff yeah. to them. So I don't even really remember the, the colourisation that much. I just remember me and all the other normals reacting to it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I need to go back and watch it. But yeah, yeah but basically we're in big Doctor Who week. That's, big, there's look, there's too Doctor much Who news. Time. There's basically too much to say. That's where we're at. Right, um, we need to run away because, as we said, the Star Beast is going to air in about an hour and 45 minutes, so um, we probably should go off to yep. our separate locations that we're watching it. Mm-hmm. If you would like to get in touch with us at the Who Watch Podcast, you can follow us at, at Who, Who Watch, Watch Podcast. Podcast. We don't do that together. We don't do that together. We don't I do don't that know what together. happened. That's separate. <laughs> we do that separately, Madeline. So you can watch... <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on the social medias at Who Watch Podcast, or if you'd like to get in touch with us by the means of electronic mail, as featured in the 1998 movie You've Got Mail, you can email us the Who Watch Podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> you didn't, you just, you should have said at. You can, fu- you can, fu- you can, <laughs> you can email us at. at- the, the Who Watch, Watch Podcast, Podcast at gmail.com. And who knows, we might reply to your email like Meg Ryan did. Is it Meg Ryan who's in that film? Don't know. Who's in the film? You got mail. We'll find out we and we'll tell leave, you so next we're week. We'll answer that right now. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to us. Happy Doctor Who. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.